0: Welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper, where we're going to have a little quick general squee about the Hugo Awards and the Nebula Awards, which were earlier this year, uh, before we head into Charlotte's interview with horror, extreme horror writer, Dawn Kano. So what's really, really exciting is that we just had uh, recently the Hugo Awards were announced and we have not only many women winning the prizes, uh, we've got women of colour. And not only that, so we have... N.K. Jemison with the fifth season, won best novel. She is the first African American to win best novel, male or female, and the first female of color, um, woman of color. So that's just like ticking so many boxes, but amazing, and she is fantastic. So it's, this is really exciting, and I'm just excited and wanted to talk about it.
1: No, it's really good. And I mean, uh, if you have a look at the uh, the Nebula Awards, certainly the page you sent round. if you go back through the previous winners, you can see there's a good peppering of, of females in there, but certainly not as many women as there are in, in the current one. Not just winners, but included as well. Like um, in the novel, we've got, um, it was won by Naomi Novik, but we've also got Fran, uh, Fran Wilde and uh, Lucky in there as well. Uh, and if you honestly, if you look at uh, the nebulas it really does look like it's sponsored by tour and tour.com given how many um how many novels and novellas they've got in there they're all over the place so good thumbs up for tour for obviously uh, getting some good books out there and some very good um uh, female writers as well and i have to say i'm particularly pleased at um, naomi novick's uprooted winning the best novel in the nebulas that's just fantastic um yeah, me i love too. That book. my favorite book of last year so pretty pleased about that and with a really good female protagonist as well.
2: Yes, actually too. What I really liked about Uprooted was was the, the element of, um, you know, female friendship, which is hardly ever touched upon in um, a lot of quite traditional fantasy. It's, you know, the author kind of gives screen time to the romance element, but not, um, you know, a genuine friendship between
1: two women, which is what I really liked about uh, Uprooted. Absolutely, it was sort of a a buddy a buddy movie book kind of thing, wasn't it? But between two rem- women rather than two guys, it was uh, it was definitely a good one. And hopefully, we'll get a lot more press now that it's it's won an award.
0: One thing I also like. So we've talked about the the books, but also in the dramatic presentations, So in the Hugo's, we had Jessica Jones win. Um, so, you know, about a woman, excellent. And then, you know, in the Nebulas, we had uh, the outstanding dramatic presentation being Fury Road. So, again, you've got um, really powerful stories about women. I mean, even though it, it you know it's technically Mad Max, but we all know it's about Furiosa. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, you know, it's just really nice to see that um, women are at, at the core of some of these stories that are really, you know, finding or well, clicking with the audiences absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And it,
1: i was just going to say isn't the uh, the nebula awards are actually voted for by people it's not it's not like um it's a panel of three people reading it it's actually a massive amount of people who all vote for them so it's uh, it's fantastic like you say that there's not only been so much recognition but also that the puppies didn't win on this occasion and let's hope they continue not to win and we continue to see such excellent representation in uh, major awards
0: and just goes to show that Women are writing some awesome things.
1: Well, I think women have always been writing awesome
0: things. Yes, but now yeah.
1: people pointing and going, hey, women are writing some awesome
2: things. Let's yes. acknowledge things. It's just nice to be acknowledged, you know. And, and I think even though, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, an award is an award and it's very political, um, which I'm sure some quite a lot of awards are. Um, you know, they do, uh, you know, it, it does boost. um you know a book's reach, and it's great that it's a kind of validation for these women, um, for all of us, us three sitting here, bloggers, writers, um, all women as well. And it's great that you know that it's re it's helping these writers to reach a wider audience and kind of leaving more, you know, the kind of more traditional. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't room for traditional narratives. Um, that obviously there is, and they're still vastly popular. It's just that it's great that the, um, you know, that people are actually reaching out and and wanting to discover uh, more diverse characters, more diverse narratives, um, and also more diverse forms of writing. I think it's great that these categories are open to things like novelettes, like short stories, related works, um, even podcasts. One day, guys, we may be. An award-winning podcast would be amazing.
0: (laughs) Start the marketing campaign now. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, well, that's a nice way to leave it. But we now have Charlotte's interview with extreme horror writer Dawn Kano. Yes, we do. We've got an interview with Dawn Kano. Uh, She very kindly got
1: up quite early in the morning to speak to me whilst it was the middle of the afternoon for me. And uh, listeners should be warned that obviously Dawn is a writer of extreme horror, so there is discussion of some of her storylines and topics, and there may be some trigger warnings in there for people of that kind of disposition. Listeners should also note that the interview was recorded a few months ago, so Dawn's book with John Ledger, the final review, is now out and available to buy on Amazon.
3: I'm Charlotte, and today I'm talking to Dawn Kano, an American author of extreme horror. Hello, Dawn. Good
4: morning. Good
3: morning. Of course, it's good afternoon for me, and it's good morning for you, isn't it, over there in Austin, Texas?
4: It is. It is um, almost half nine right now.
3: And it's for the record, it's about half past three where I am. Uh, But it's very nice to speak to you, and thank you for getting up early with your first cup of coffee to speak to us this morning.
4: Well, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun, I'm sure.
3: Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you decide to write?
4: Um, actually, I've always been interested in writing. Um, I think I've lacked the self-confidence to actually try it. Um, one day back in February, uh, I beta read a book from Matt Shaw. He uh, His book was called Matt Shaw is Writing and he went into how to write, how to get published, or rather, how to self-publish your book. Um, I told him, I said, I don't think I can do this, and he said, yes, you can. He said, write a story and send it to me. So I did, and he read it over, he gave me a few tips, he said, this is good enough to publish, you should put it on Amazon. So I did, and that's how it got started. My first story, Sleep Deprived, was the one that he read and enjoyed.
3: Fantastic, yes, and that's now available on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk as well, isn't it? It is. So tell us a little bit about what extreme horror is and how it differs from just normal horror as we would know it.
4: Extreme horror is, well, basically exactly what the name says. It's more extreme. There's more violence. There's more sex. There's more um, blood and gore. Um, it's It's just all around more extreme.
3: So what is it that you get out of reading horror stories yourself and also extreme horror stories? I mean, do you read normal one or do, now that there's this big market in extreme horror, do you tend to read that?
4: Um, I read a little bit of both. Um, if I'm if I'm completely honest, regular horror is a little boring to me. <laughs> You're not an M.R. Um, James
3: fan then or, or anything like that?
4: Um, no, I mean, some of it, you know, as long as it's very well written, um it's fine, but I prefer the fast-paced, extreme side. I like splatterpunk. Um, it, it just seems to be more exciting. I am really on the hunt to find something that scares me. Oh right! I think I, I think I've become so desensitized to horror that nothing scares me anymore.
3: Well, not even Matt Shaw's stuff?
4: No, not even Matt Shaw. Nope, even Matt Sh- now Matt Shaw can, can turn my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he doesn't scare me. No, I haven't found anything that really scares me yet.
3: Well, well what is it uh, that actually frightens you the most then?
4: Um. In, in real life, I'm terrified of, of death. Basically the actual, the, the, the thought of actually dying, being buried in the ground or being burned. Just, it really scares me. Um, so you've got but the fear that you
3: might still be alive when the final bits <laughs> happen to you. Is that kind of the thing?
4: <laughs> that's it. The, the, can you imagine being buried under six feet of dirt and not being able to get out and not being able to breathe in the coffin? Yeah, that's that's scary.
3: <laughs> that is quite terrifying. I think a lot of us are worried <laughs> about that. But wasn't there a film a couple of years back with, um, was it Ryan Reynolds called Buried or something, which was literally yes. a story about someone. Have you seen that? Did that scare you? I,
4: I actually couldn't make it all the way through.
3: Oh well so there is something that scares you then?
4: <laughs> there is yes.
3: <laughs> so obviously um, Breaking the Glass Slipper is a lot about sort of females within the genre so which female characters either in horror or wider literature do you wish that you had written and what are your pet hates for female characters um, particularly in horror stories but also in, in wider stories?
4: Um... I am really in love with Hermione Granger from the Harry Potter series. Oh no wow. I love her. she's she's smart. she's strong. she's witty. She's everything that that I think women need to be today. Hmm. Um, as far as my pet peeves, as far as female characters are <clears throat> excuse me, um, weakness, I mean, I realize we're all weak, but when a, when a woman is portrayed as, as a victim that doesn't even try to fight back, that just irritates me.
3: So when they are literally defined as the weaker sex, you mean? Exactly. So does that mean you're a bit of a fan of things like Buffy
4: and um, Serenity, where they have sort of really strong positives? Yes. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then when, when they can inject humor and, you know, it, it, we're all weak. We all have our weaknesses. But when the writers glorify those weaknesses, I think it just it really upsets me.
3: So we've obviously had um, Hermione. Do you have any sort of horror-related um, females that you really like? I mean, the first one that springs to mind for me is obviously Ellen Ripley. She is one of my favorite all-time um, yes. females in horror Um, so I mean even when they they still didn't quite manage to get fully away from it because obviously they got her down to that that vest right at the very end so you had to have the obligatory nudity that you have in most horror films but um, I mean do you agree with me on that one was she one one that you really sort of inspired you when it comes to writing horror
4: she is um, the first time I read that book and 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 watched her on film I think it was it was very empowering Hmm. Um, and she's, you know, she's al- always a go-to character when you try to, when you try to write a strong female character, she's always one that pops into m- into your head. Absolutely. You know, so yeah.
3: So are there strong female characters within your writing? Because obviously, I I would imagine a lot of people would sort of associate extreme horror maybe with, with guys and things like that. But what about the women in your writing? Are they, I'm assuming they're not weak in the way you describe, what are they like?
4: Um... Actually, I write, I tend to write weak female characters, but not weak to the point where I'm trying to figure out how to say this. They're they're weak, but not weak to the point where they're annoying, not whiny, not, you know, they don't just sit around and cry all the time. Um, I'm currently writing a story right now with John Ledger where the female is a victim of her boyfriend's psychosis I guess you could say mm. um, she will come out on top but it's going to be a struggle for her to get there
3: so you kind of start out with the weaker characters and then build them up in a transition and a journey through your your novels to actually come out on right top. perfect That right. sounds brilliant <laughs> so we obviously established that you're not much of a, a horror fan but you do obviously like JK Rowling what other authors both male and female inspire you and uh, maybe find their way into your writing perhaps
4: um, well, I've already mentioned Matt Shaw.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, I tend to gravitate more toward um, UK horror than US horror for whatever reason I don't know. <laughs> um, Matt Shaw, Ian Rob Wright, um, Adam Millard, Adam Neville. Personal um,
3: favorite. Mr. Right. Neville is
4: very good. He is. He's excellent. Um, I've currently, I've, I've recently discovered Paul Tremblay with mm-hmm. *The Headful of Ghosts*. That was a brilliant book. It's it's I try to I try to vary my my reading, but for some reason I always gravitate gravitate toward UK authors.
3: That's interesting, for, particularly for an American author. Is it the <laughs> setting that appeals to you, or is it that the characters that you really sort of get behind? Or I, I've got a friend who absolutely can't stand um, British horror, and I keep meaning to ask him, although I suspect it'd be a very long conversation, what it is that he doesn't <laughs> like about it. But I really like M.R. James and and all the kind of the the atmosphere and the setting for me, particularly because it's so familiar, is a a great pull on those stories. But obviously, I don't know. Do you sort of sympathize? It's not sorry, sympathize. Do you recognize the settings that you have in the British horror, um, given that you live in America? Or is it being able to completely get away from everything and imagine yourself over
4: here? What is it that appeals to you? I think I think that's exactly it. I think that. I like the the fact that it's not familiar, that it's completely new. I mean, even stories set in London where, you know, Americans think they know London from what they see on film and on TV. Hmm. But the settings are just completely new. It's something completely different. And I love that. I love the way you write, uh, the, the uh, British authors write characters. I think they do it very well. I love the way you talk. I mean, there's... <laughs> yeah. And just love everything about it. Fantastic.
3: Well, obviously you write in extreme horror. Are there any traditional publishers of extreme horror out there? Um, and if so, you know, why did you choose to self-publish? What advantage did you see in that over traditional publishing?
4: Um, I have a lot of author friends. Um, I've seen them struggle with traditional publishers. Um, I just didn't want... To go through the hassle of doing it when self-publishing is so easy. Um, there are a few, a few publishers that do publish uh, extreme horror, but I just I like having the control of being able to do it myself. I can make my own cover. I can find my own editors. I can write about whatever it is I want to write about. I don't have to worry about catering to a publish, uh, a traditional publisher. I just, I just think it's easier. It gives me more control. I am kind of a control freak. So (laughs) (laughs) I like being able to control what I do and when I do it. Is, I did wonder
3: actually, because obviously a couple of your pieces have been novelettes. So I know traditional publishers tend to go for proper weighty books and and novels and things like that. So was that one of the reasons that you went into self-publishing? And what was it about the novelette that made you decide to write Um, in that sort of format was it just you wrote a story and it had to be that long or did you set out to go no I think there's definitely a niche for shorter stories
4: um well like I said my first one was kind of happened by accident um when I was challenged to write it and it just ended up being that length I prefer to let the story the story tell me how long it needs to be I'm not going to stretch it out to make it to make it longer to fit in a particular niche
3: Okay. Um, obviously, horror seems to be a particularly male-dominated genre compared to, say, children's romance, or it certainly is over here in Britain. Uh, do you find that extreme horror is even more male-dominated? Because I, I must admit, I don't many, know many other extreme horror authors who are women, but
4: you may be able to enlighten me into that. Um, in the UK, you have Danny Brown, who I love. It's- she is one of the sickest women I think I have ever read. <laughs> I love that um, over here we have Sam West she's that is actually a woman um, it's definitely male dominated which I think is is why I've managed to find the small amount of success I've had because there aren't many women who do this um, women who write horror at least in my opinion tend to hold back hmm. it's 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 almost as if they're afraid of what people will think if they really let their imaginations run wild. I'm not like that at all. <laughs> there is There is nothing I won't write about. Um, I've tackled everything from cooking and eating babies to um, sexual abuse of a child. So there is nothing there's nothing off limits as far as I'm concerned.
3: Well, it does seem to me that in the extreme horror crowd, a one-star review is a badge of honour, and it, it brings a smile to your face when a reviewer says that they were totally sickened by what they read. Um, right. that's, that's obviously completely opposite to what most readers want, as many weep over a sort of a, a two- or three-star review. But do you find that such reactions um, work to affect your confidence in writing, or is it all part of the fun getting these extreme reactions
4: from readers? I <laughs> I actually love it. Um, you know, you have those who... who who will slam a book because, well, it's not well written or it needs editing. Or you have those who think they know better than you do, and that's fine. But the ones who come up and say, you put Rob Zombie to shame, or this book is sicker than anything I've ever written or ever read. I mean, I love that. It makes me laugh. It makes me happy. It makes me want to keep going.
3: Hmm.
4: I'll take those one-star reviews any day.
3: (laughs) Do you find that you get any particular flack for the fact that you're a woman writing in extreme horror? I mean, I could be um, could be wrong here, but I would imagine that if you said extreme horror to people, they might kind of go, oh, yeah, that must be a load of guys. And, oh, my God, we can't have a woman writing that kind of thing. Have you had those kind of reactions or has, there, have, has it kind of been at a moot point?
4: Um, actually, I had a going back to the one star review thing. I had somebody leave me a one star review who apparently didn't know I was a woman. Um, because the review said something like this author is sick in the head and the cock wow um so i don't think i mean i wish it were true but i don't think people really pay attention to the fact that i'm not a man
3: but obviously you have um co-author um worked with another author um duncan, mm-hmm. uh, duncan ralston was that
4: no it was uh lewis duncan right
3: that was the one sorry i'll try that one again no. we can cut that bit so it was lewis duncan you say right that again yes obviously you've co-written a book with lewis duncan and worked as a co-author uh, what was your motivation in doing this and um, particularly working with a male co-author rather than one of the the ladies you mentioned earlier perhaps um sam and, and danny
4: Um. Well, first of all, I think danny is is way out of my league. I think she's she's been doing this a lot longer than I have and and I would be completely intimidated to even ask her. Um, Lewis is my cover designer, um, and we got talking about writing one day and and he said he didn't think he was good enough or you know he didn't have enough experience, I guess and I said, "Well, let's write a book together. Let's let's see what we can come up with together because he's almost as sick in the head as I am. I think." So we started collaborating, and Violent Delights was born. <clears throat> That's actually my uh, my only non-extreme title at the moment.
3: As in non-extreme horror, you mean.
4: Correct.
3: All right. Well, why don't you give us a rundown of all of your titles and a brief gist of each of it? And then we often ask our interviewees if they will give us a little pitch for their current work in progress and, and pitch it to our readers to kind of whet their appetites. So if you could give us a background of your um, existing works and then what you're currently working on, that would be fantastic.
4: Okay. Well, my first story was called Sleep Deprived. Um, it's about a woman named Anna who hasn't had any sleep in months. And, um, uh, she starts to hear a voice in her head that tells her why she's not getting any sleep. So she decides to go out and take care of that problem. It's, um, it's pretty brutal, so beware if you decide to pick that one up.
3: <laughs> reader beware. <laughs> do you have to put warnings on the front of your books as well?
4: I do, yes. I don't want anyone picking up one of my titles not knowing what they're in store for. I don't think that's fair to the reader Um, And it's certainly not fair to me when I get slammed because, you know, they say, well, nobody warned me. Nobody told me. Well, (laughs) I've told you. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, My second title is Bucket List. Um, It's about a man whose wife cheats on him and brings him AIDS. He decides to get revenge on that, on her for doing that. Again, it's it's a nasty one. It's actually my best-selling story to date. It gets pretty brutal there at the end. Um, let's see. My next title is the one I wrote with Lewis. It's called Violent Delights. Um, it's about a man who stalks a woman. Um, it's my only non-extreme title. It's kind of surprising because it it doesn't sell quite as well as my extreme titles do. Oh, right. So but what- I think it's a...
3: Hmm? What prompted you to write um,
4: a non-extreme horror then, if your extreme ones were doing very well? I, I I went through a time where I felt as though I was writing myself into a corner. Um, there's only so many tales of revenge and I don't know blood and gore that you can write without feeling like you're just you're beating a dead horse. <laughs> So I wanted to, I wanted to try something else to see if I could do it. Fantastic. I think it's, I think it's a very well-written story, but again, it's not extreme. So those people who do like extreme, which are mostly women, by the way, most of my readers are women.
3: Wow. Um, Is that the same experience for someone like, because obviously you talk a lot to Matt Shaw, does he find that most of his readers are women or do you think women readers gravitate towards
4: you because you're a woman? I think, I mean, just looking at, at some of the extreme horror authors, Tim Miller, Matt Shaw, you know, the people like that, I think most of the readers are women. I think women enjoy it more men, more than men do.
3: That is surprising, or certainly I find that surprising. But obviously, if we've got any uh, listeners out there listening to Breaking the Glass, Slipper, do get in touch and tell us what you think if you're a fan of extreme horror, particularly if you're a girl or if you're a bloke, and tell us what you, you think of it. So is your um, co-authored book with Lewis, is that your most recent publication, isn't it?
4: Um, It is not. I have, um, After Violent Delights was a book called Cash Out. Um, It's about a man who gets paid to kill people in very creative ways. (laughs) How do you (laughs) research something like that, I have to ask? Um Honestly, I I don't do a whole lot of research unless I need to know what will happen if I cut the body in this spot. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, then yeah, I have to research. Um, But normally, no, I just make it up as I go along (laughs) and make it as realistic as possible. Um, After Cash Out was my most recent release, which was my first novella. It's called I Am Karma, and it's about a woman who is abused throughout her entire life and when she dies she becomes karma so she gets to get she gets to seek revenge on those who wronged her during her life
3: sort of a ghost story with a difference
4: a little bit yeah
3: excellent and what are you currently working on at the moment
4: i am currently working on a book with author john ledger it's called final review Um, It's about a female author who starts to receive very bad reviews on her books. And she goes to her crazy, drunken boyfriend and says, hey, you know, I'm getting these bad reviews, I want to quit writing. And he says, the hell you are. We're going to go take care of these reviewers.
3: (laughs) One hopes this isn't based on personal experience or anecdotes that you've (laughs) heard.
4: No, not at all. Actually, I don't know if you remember, I, I don't know how long ago it was, but do you remember the um, the author who went and tracked down a reviewer and hit her over the head <gasps> with a wine bottle?
3: Yes, that was
4: appalling. <coughs> but was that your inspiration for this story? Um, it definitely pops in my mind as I'm writing, yes.
3: All right. <laughs> Fantastic. And when can we expect to see that out?
4: Um, we are currently striving for a mid-July release. It will be a novella, um probably around 20,000 words
3: fantastic so very soon Um, Mm and are you got any more solo projects planned
4: um I'm not at the moment um I'm actually toying with an idea of a a man who grows up he was raised by his grandmother he loved her very much she taught him how to how to make quilts when she was alive well when he died when she dies he goes off the deep end and starts making quilts out of human skin.
3: <laughs> Possibly not as warm as a nice bit of cotton all in would feel.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but he wants to remember his grandmother.
3: <laughs> that is a unique way to do so. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, Dawn, and uh, we shall set the challenge to our Breaking the Glass Slipper listeners to see if they can find anything that will frighten you, not just shock you, but truly frighten you.
4: I would love that. Thank you so much for having me.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Dawn. And thank you for listening to this episode of Breaking the Glass Slipper. Come back again soon.